He's already been dead and it's messed with his head. It's John's post-life crisis. Welcome to John's post-life crisis. I am your host, John <laughs> Johnston, founder of CornNation.com, your Nebraska Cornhusker site that's thrilled to be here. Today we're talking with college baseball writer for D1 Baseball, Eric Sorensen, and we're going to find out about our beloved Nebraska Cornhuskers. How are you today, Eric? Doing good, John. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm glad somebody's out there concentrating on Nebraska baseball. Uh, you know, this we're we're a long ways away from the John Sanders era, so I'm glad to see you're doing stuff like this, John. Keep up the good work, buddy. Well, we do we do have a a guy that covers uh, Nebraska baseball on our site, Keith Yapel. Uh, I try to fill mm-hmm. in for him. Uh, Let's. We're going to start out asking about the Darren Erskett era. He resigned after the tragic loss against Oklahoma State, in which we were down to one pitch and we could have moved on, and uh, it didn't happen. Yeah. Then Erskett resigned. Uh, was kind of shocking, even though mm-hmm. every season Nebraska fans go fire Tony Silva, fire Darren Erskett. Uh, <laughs> would you consider the Darren Erskett? Uh, era at Nebraska is success? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it wasn't, it wasn't the same as, as the Van Horn era, obviously didn't take our boys to Omaha uh, for the college world series in June, but you know, it's not like the aforementioned John Sanders, I hate to bring up the old ghosts, but you know, you didn't want it to regress back to where they were losing seasons every year, you know, every other year or something like that. So he at least kept it consistent, made the NCAAs a couple of times, um, and you know, he was, he was Tom Osborne's pick. He was T.O.'s boy, you know? And, and, uh, and so I, yeah, I, I think he did, he did a fine job. Um, again, we weren't winning national titles there in Lincoln, but we weren't scraping the bottom of the barrel. It kind of kept the recruiting up and all that stuff. So I'm, I was never, I was, I never had a problem with Darren Erstead, uh, as, as coach. And I was sorry to see him go, uh, just because he's also kind of, iconic you know it's like if Tommy Frazier had taken over as head coach of the football team and you, you didn't you wouldn't want Tommy Frazier and, and the and the big red to go you know two and ten every year or something like that and yeah so it was good to see Darren keep the keep the Nebraska baseball program at a sort of elevated pace again we're not talking national champions but he kept it going and I and I, and I was glad that it uh, turned out that way sorry to see him leave did you ever deal with him Oh, a little bit. I I would talk to him after games. Uh, not the most loquacious guy in the world, you know. He's he's, he's uh, very matter of fact. Uh, very, he's very Nebraskan. I like to call it because uh, he was just to the point, and he'd look you in the eye, and he was he was he would answer everything. He he's one of these guys that, like when I I talked to him after I was out at a Cal State Fullerton game, they played out there in in Fullerton a couple of years ago. I live I live in Los Angeles, and. And I, he he stayed there and answered every one of my dumb questions for you know five six seven minutes. He didn't he didn't try to you know, brush me off or anything like that. I so I had some interactions with him, nothing too extensive though. But he was he was always a straight shooter. Yeah, my, my dealings with him were in post game pressers. You know, I usually cover baseball now as a photographer, but uh, I yeah. did like the way that he handled himself in all the post game pressers. He was very. Very intense guy, you know. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, you, you're right it. when you, you say he's he was very Nebraskan, straight to the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not a lot of French pastry there, you know. He's to the uh, very very no frills. So you did have some dealings with him yourself, I guess, and you probably came away with the same same uh, scent of that, I suppose, right? Yeah, and I was I was disappointed when he resigned, but I I also yeah. kind of understood what he his explanation that he wanted to see his kids grow up. Uh, right. Plus, there's the, there is the stress of Nebraska baseball, and yeah. Yeah. Nebraska fans' expectation for their baseball team is that they were going to march into the Big Ten and take over the conference, and that did not happen. <laughs> not necessarily, yeah. And I, John, I kind of thought the same thing when Nebraska was going to the Big Ten. You know, it, it, I was fine with the move to the Big Ten in general. I wanted to get away from Texas for whatever reasons, and especially in football. But um, I, I didn't think that, you know, because people kind of put the Big Ten down a little bit, think it's not as good a baseball conference even back then. And I was like, this isn't going to be a cakewalk. They're not going to walk into the Big Ten and just start dominating us. That's just not going to happen. So, yeah, I, I kind of had the same feelings as you. And, and, it, and we were proven correctly uh, that, you know, Big Ten, especially the last few years, that profile of that conference just keeps inching up and inching up and elevating, and I, I, I really glad I'm really glad that it has. Why do you think that is? Well, a number of things. Um, first of all, it was started about I don't know, ten, twelve years ago. Every every team in the conference started updating their facilities, started making you know all the things that make high school players go, oh look, that's a nice shiny object. I like that, you know. So they all kind of started this whole facilities upgrade or building new stadiums altogether. Um, I'm trying to think just about every team in the conference had done that. So, um, so that was like the beginning of it. They hired some better coaches. Um, you know, this, the whole, the common, this common start date came about, came about, about, was it, like 10 years ago. That helped too. It was never a good, it was never a good look to have, you know, like Stanford starting to play in mid-January or late January. And then like, let's say like a Big Ten team, you know, Nebraska, not that it happened, but if I gave an example, Nebraska goes out and plays Stanford and Nebraska is 0-0 and Stanford is, is already 12-0. and It's just not a good look. So that was the common start date was helpful all across the board. Um, and of course, you know, baseball was the only sport that didn't have that at the time, which made our sport look, look kind of freakish. So those things happened at the same time, uh, just about the facilities, you know, improving and the common start date. And those two things really helped. And plus, I just kind of thought with the way the RPI in baseball was configured, it's a basketball formula that baseball kind of hijacked a few years back. They made some concessions where you got a little bit, no, just like in college basketball, you got a little bit more credit for winning a road game. And of course, the Big Ten plays nothing but road games, you know, in in February and and early part of March. So those kind of factors all kind of came together. And then, you know, you hire guys like, like, uh, like Backish at Michigan, you know, and and that certainly helped their, their program. And, and the guys that have gone through Indiana, like Tracy Smith. And uh, and and uh, what's that? Chris Loomis, the the guy's now at, at Mississippi State. So uh, Lamonis, I should say. So yeah, that was kind of another thing. It's just kind of a um, conglomeration of things. And I'm really glad that uh, all those things have come together. And and the Big Ten is it's considered a Power Five conference, obviously, 
Um, but it's starting to live up to it. You know, in football, it's a Power Five conference for sure. But in baseball, it's starting to live up to that, and that's a that's a cool thing. I, I dig that. You had Kyle Schwerber come to Indiana, or, yeah. or go to Indiana. That was it. <laughs> they were the ones that broke the College World Series streak, right? Yep, yep. Uh, and that was under Tracy Smith. Put together a hell of a batting order at Indiana and some good pitching, and, and that was. And they went on the road, what was it, at, at Florida State, I think, to win the Super Regional, which was great to see. Um, I was really glad to, to see the Big Ten get back in Omaha. And now with what Michigan did last year, obviously, was a huge help. I think the one thing about the conference – now, see, see if you agree with this, uh, John. I think the one thing about the conference is no, they kind of need to do it again. Make sure it's not a flash in the pan that, you know – Indiana was five years ago. Michigan was last year. And then, you know, we don't want to have a thing where we don't see a Big Ten team in Omaha for another 10 or 15 years. Well, I'd, I'd like to see it happen again to where, you know, it's, uh, they become, they become a, a regular um, is, as far as in the postseason. I'd love to see that. Success breeds success. Do you see yeah. more kids staying? I mean, Right, right now in Nebraska, I mean, one of the complaints about Darren Erstad that Nebraska fans had is that he couldn't keep kids in, in Nebraska, kids in Nebraska. We had kids go to Texas A&M and play for Rod Childress. Uh, yeah. you, do you see more kids staying in the Big Ten in the cold weather eras, areas? Yeah, I, I think so because of what you said, you know, success, brief success the last few years. I mean, it kind of started with Purdue getting, in hope, getting a home regional 2012 and now and, and, and you know Indiana Illinois had done the same thing every key, every team in the conference can say that look we're gonna if we're good enough we can host a postseason regional here at our here at our joint and kids like that and and kids like seeing that you know even even though Michigan played in the College World Series they had a lot of guys from all over it's it's not all Michigan guys um and and that's kind of that kind of says a lot too. A guy, you know, Eric Backish can go into a recruit's house in out here in Diamond Bar, California, and say, "Hey, we've had some players from uh, from right around this area go to Michigan play in the College World Series. We, you know, you want to do the same." So that yeah, that that's kind of a, it's 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 certainly helping. And and again, the profile of the whole conference is uh, is just you know it's inching up bit by bit. And I and I like the I like the direction it's at. All right, we're going to switch to Nebraska because people want to hear about their favorite team. Sure, Go Will Bolt. Will Bolt. The Will Bolt era starts. Well, by the yeah. time people hear this podcast, the Will Bolt era will have started at Baylor. Uh, what are you expecting out of Will Bolt? Well, if, from what I know of him, I don't know him personally or anything like that. But what what I know. Very uh, highly regarded assistant, um, and then I think what was it? he was at a JC head coach at the JC for a couple of years, and he's a he's a, a, a he's a he's a former Husker. I think that always kind of helps. I think Nebraska fans like that familiarity uh, a lot of times in their coaches. I know they don't always get that in football, but you know that that just kind of the thing that you know they got it now with Eric with uh, with Eric with Scott Frost. But, you know, I, I think it's important that he's a former Nebraska player. And from what I remember, a gritty player, you know, very much kind of like a gym rat type. And you kind of like that as, as it translates from a player 
to a head coach. And so I think his teams are going to reflect that. Now, as for right now, I mean, he's, he's inheriting a team that has just about every position player back this year. So that's a good thing. Um, so they're going to they're gonna be very similar to what they were last year offensively, but I think you're going to see a little bit more station-to-station type ball uh, in, the, in the years ahead. But, yeah, from what I know of Will Bolt, good coach, uh, good reputation out there in the coaching circles. And I think Nebraska did a, did a pretty steady job by uh, hiring, and, uh, hiring him and bringing him back to campus. I, I, think, that's, I think it was a good hire. One of the one of the complaints about Erstad was his offense, and I I am not a baseball strategist. I don't understand baseball, possibly the level I understand football. But Will Bolt's mm-hmm. offense is supposed to be dramatically different than Darren Erstad's. Can you explain that, yeah. or do you understand that? I uh, I just I don't think it's going to be a whole lot different this year, just because, like I said, they got everybody just about everybody coming back in the offense. You can't, you can't go up there and, and uh, expect to hit 60 or 80 home runs this year. That's just not the kind of team they had. They hit, what was it, 33 home runs last year. They're not a big, big, uh, big hitting team. And so you're going to have to utilize the speed that they had, and, it's, and it's, you're going to utilize also the players that were there last year. That's, that's what you have. you got to play with what you got. So I don't see that it's going to be drastically different this year. Um, maybe in the years to come, again, maybe you'll see a little bit more, a little bit more of the, uh, uh, you know, more stealing bases, more uh, bunting guys over. You know, Nebraska only stole 50 bases, 50, yeah, 50 bases last year. So they're not exactly, you know, they're not exactly tearing up the base paths and putting too much pressure on the opposing teams. That might change, I think, as the years go by. But again, this year, they're going to stick with what they were. They're going to tr- change their stripes all that much this year. But you know that I, I, you got to play with what you got. That's that you know you don't you don't uh, you don't take over you don't take over a wishbone team and automatically put in drop back passers. You know that's just that's just not how it is. So it'll be similar this year. But yeah, I think in the years to come, he'll find his kind of players and and fit his scheme. And and I think that's that's maybe he'll maybe he'll change it to where it's more of a more of a thing where they bigger hitting type of teams or something like that. But for now, I think this is just kind of what they're at. You're you're basically saying we're not going to win the conference in his first year out. <laughs> now hang on a sec, John. I didn't say have that you, necessarily you, either. Although I will seen, say, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Have you seen our other sports and how well they're not doing? No. <laughs> well, you bring up a good point. Who's the AD? Let's fire them. No. Well, you know what I mean. I Nebraska. I would say Nebraska fans are really, really hungry for something to win. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course. I mean, that's it's a bummer that it it's it's depressing that you have to you have to te- you have to go back and tell people, "No, no, no, really. I believe me. Back in the 90s, Nebraska was the best football program going. They were like, "You see what Alabama's doing now? That's kind of what Nebraska was." No, I'm serious. It was. That, you know, it's kind of a bummer you have to say that. But things change quickly, man. That's that's just how it is. But, you know, again, I'm glad we're talking about a baseball program that has gone to the postseason a number of times in recent years. It's not like we have to go back to the 90s to say that these were our glory days necessarily. Uh, so that's the positive spin on that for, for our uh, baseball program. But as far as winning the conference this year, uh, tough call, tough chore to do that this year just because of the, you know, with pitching. Pitching is one thing that's, that's going to overcome a great hitting team, obviously, 
and Nebraska lost all of their weekend rotation. Have to kind of expect them to have these guys step in and uh, like some of these transfers they have and moving players from the bullpen to the starting rotation. Tough to translate that into an instant winner that goes and wins the conference championship. But that's just my prediction. Right now, these predictions mean they're, they're about worth what the paper they're printed on is, is, is what we like to say. So that could change very quickly. Well, your website picks Nebraska sixth. Baseball America picked them seventh. Those are, do you yeah. think those are fair? Yeah, I would say a little bit higher than that. To me, when I look at the Big Ten, uh, John, I, I kind of see it in a couple of different tiers. I, I look at like Michigan, Minnesota, and Ohio State, I think are the three teams going in on paper. Again, this is about – it's only about what worth what the paper's printed on is, is – but I still think those three teams are kind of the, the, the three teams to beat. Below that, I think you have the Nebraskas, Indianas, uh, Iowa, Illinois. Uh, those teams, I think, are the second tier that Nebraska's a part of. Uh, again, you know, these preseason things, they're a bunch of BS for the most part. It's mostly just guys like me sitting there saying, oh, okay, I see – they have so many starting pitching returners. They have so many starting, you know, basemen return, uh, uh, fielding returners. All right, they had a good recruiting class. Okay, well, here's what their ranking is. You know, so it's kind of, yeah, I don't know. It's really, really hit and miss, to be, honest, to be honest with you. And, you know, it could change with, you know, if, you, if they start off against Baylor, let's say they sweep Baylor or something like that, that just gives these kids, 18 to 22-year-old kids, so much confidence it could change your season just in the first opening weekend, you know? So you never know what can happen with that, but that's kind of how I look at the big 10, you know, overarching going into this season. So you talked about pitching, how all of our pitchers are pretty much gone, or at least our, yeah, our well, starting, our starting weekend started, rotation yeah. is gone and they have to be replaced. So we'll have to find out how, who those guys are. Yeah. How do you see Nebraska winning games this season? Because that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Well, again, that's gonna that's gonna have to start with well, like the starting rotation. Colby Gomes Gomes is gonna you know he was their saves guy last year. Apparently, he's gonna be their number one starter on Friday. Um, this is kind of, and and then the second the number two starter is supposed to be Garrett Stroh, a guy that was at Purdue for a couple of years before transferring in. So they've got guys at the top of the rotation that are very familiar with the big 10 and that can win at the big 10 at a big 10 level. So the best thing is to, is to cultivate these pitchers, make them, make them comfortable as starters now uh, stepping into new environments, sort of. And that's going to, that's going to be the tone setter for the, for the rest of the season, I think with, with Nebraska. Um, and then of course the batting order when you look at all they have coming back, I think eight out of nine starters return to the batting order. And a lot of those guys are junior, senior type guys. And I think, John, we, we notice in college sports, especially obviously with, uh, with uh, baseballs uh, very much so and football, the same, same thing. If you get a junior, senior type of team where you got a lot of guys, a lot of experience, that's a huge thing. Um, that's one thing that Will Bolt kind of stepped into this year that he doesn't have to change too much is he's got guys that are that have been uh, Cornhuskers for a long time, and that always helps. You have a junior senior team, you're gonna have good leadership normally. And he he talked in the fall about how he loved the team's uh, work ethic. 
He loved their uh, ability and their desire to compete. And those are things that are, you can't really coach. They come intrinsic to the kid that shows up on campus that if he's got some fight in him, that's good. That's a good thing. You can't coach that normally. And I think that's what's going to help them is having that having so much experience uh, coming back. That's going to be a big boon for them. I, I, I don't see them falling flat on their faces. I, I talked about how you know Michigan, Ohio State, and uh, Minnesota were my top three of the Big Ten. And then there's another tier under that. But I think Nebraska could transcend up to the up, up to their level and compete in the Big Ten. I don't I don't think they're going to be either, you know an easy out anyway, shape or form. I just think that kind of experience is going to be what they're going to be able to lean on this year. And that's a good thing. Again, that's a great thing for a new head coach to step into. It's to step into a team that's you know wicked experience. And that's uh, that's a cool thing. Have you have you looked at Nebraska's? conference baseball schedule i know we started baylor and then we play arizona state you have i I think we i know that we miss uh minnesota uh we do play at michigan and we do play ohio state but uh we do miss minnesota minnesota's a good team okay yeah i'm just looking at it now they kind of ease into it because northwestern and then playing at maryland maryland's not a bad program but playing those two are, are what they'll start with. Purdue's got a brand new coach too, and that's their third weekend. And yeah, that's the, oh, and then they got Rutgers, which is pretty much a three win thing. They can easily sweep them. It, it gets bet, it gets tougher late in the year. Michigan and Ohio State come back to back weekends. And yeah, you skip Minnesota. That's one of the, John, actually, that's one of the, my biggest gripes about the whole conference reshifting that, that, that happened eight to 10 years ago is, now you have conferences that are too damn big, and so teams don't don't even play each other. Like, what was it? Michigan and Ohio State didn't even play each other in baseball a couple of years ago. I think it was. I can't remember for sure, but it's just it's a travesty. It's 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 just not right. But yeah, if Nebraska is a you know they they're gonna they're gonna miss Minnesota, and that's that's a tough out. So it's kind of good. But their schedule's favorable as far as like in, uh, the early part of the season, establishing themselves, getting some wins. They got some winnable weekends to start up before the Michigans and Ohio State show up later on. So, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a cool deal. Notice, notice this home conference schedule, though. I mean, we get Rutgers at home. Uh, we get Ohio State at home, which should be interesting. And then we finish yeah. Penn State at home. I, yeah. Penn, State's pro, <laughs> Penn State, every year when I start to write about baseball, I look at Penn State. And they're still playing the same crappy non-conference schedule they always have. Have they yep, done a single yep. thing to improve their program at all? Here, here's the thing. John, you're going to love this. So this past fall, I had a friend of mine that moved from Los Angeles to New York and needed his car to be driven up to New York, didn't want to deliver it because it would be too costly. Yeah, so I said, look, I'll drive it. I'll, drive, I'll go cross-country. I'll go to all these stadiums along the way, just take a look at some of these stadiums that teams play in see parts of the country I hadn't seen before. Got to see James Dean's grave in Fairmont, Indiana. It was really cool. So I get to Penn State, always wanted to go to Penn State, always wanted to go to a football game there. But I get there and I see Medlar Field, their, uh, their baseball field, and it's, it's, a, it's a, what is it, a, a minor league uh, facility that Penn State shares, and it's immaculate. It's a great, great facility. It's one of the best stadiums I've ever seen for, you know, for college. And I just think to myself, God, how are these guys not winning at least a little bit? You know, at least 
making a tra- an NCAA tournament every once in a while. I think the last time they made it was like in 2000 when they went to a super regional and lost to Texas. But yeah, John, this to me, the biggest mystery to me, or well, not the biggest, but one of the biggest mysteries to me in college baseball is how Penn State has not become at least a consistent winner or been at least, you know, consistently every few years making the NCAA tournament. They've got just unbelievable facility there. And and I just, yeah, I, I, I know Penn State's off the beaten path a little bit, but that's okay. You can win on a place like that. It's just, it, it befuddles me. I, I'm, I'm confused as to why Penn State hasn't had better baseball over the last uh, 10 or 15 years. I mean, their RPI at the end of the year is always down – it's like down in the 230s, the, the 200 range. <laughs> they literally drag the conference down by being in the conference. Yes, yes. And the thing that's depressing to me, John, is then the Big Ten went and added Rutgers, which wasn't going to help in hardly any of the sports to me. Maryland, okay, I can see them playing, you know, being a good basketball school, obviously, great basketball school and you know, historically. Baseball, they've done decent. You know, I saw them out here. I, I saw them upset UCLA a couple of years ago out here. So they've had some success. But, yeah, yeah, you add, you know, with Penn State, they're, they're a zero. Hutger, Rutgers is even worse, more of a zero, especially since uh, Coach Hill retired. So, yeah, it's depressing to me. It's depressing. I'm glad Purdue kind of turned around because they started becoming a zero after that one flash in the pan where they won the conference, you know, in 2012. But, yeah, it's you're going to have these teams – um, that seem to they're, they're going to be at, they have that anchor effect and that's still the one thing I want to, the Big Ten to change is not to have these teams that are an anchor effect to your to another team's RPI like Nebraska is going to play both Penn State and Rutgers in three game series this year and you know when they play win or lose they're going to lose some points in the RPI I mean that's just that's how it's going to be so I to me it's it's kind of a double edged sword I'm glad we'll both has a little bit of an easier schedule in the Big Ten for his first year. It's going to be help with the transition a little bit. But when it comes down to it, John, if you and I talk in April or in May, we're going to look at that and say, God, you know, that's a real drag that they have to play Penn State and Rutgers because those teams are just going to be an anchor. So that's that's kind of what you're, what you're stuck with in the Big Ten, though. I'm not sure people understand that. You know, I, I'm sure that the hardcore college baseball fans do understand that, but – the casual, like, I'm going to go to the, that the, the RPI is dragging. You know what I mean? Like you said, those oh, acres. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not like in football where strength of schedule isn't really taken into account very much uh, for the, for the you know, for the final four playoffs. In, in basketball and in baseball, your the strength or the, the, your strength of schedule and how good the opponents are that you've played means everything. I think the what was it? The RPI formula is like twenty five percent of it is how you do, and seventy five percent of it is who you've played and how they've done. Not that it's fair. I think that's a that's a BS component to to these ranking systems that the NCAA uses. But that's what we're stuck with. And and yeah, you, so if you're playing poor competition that is ranked in the two hundreds, two hundred to three hundred range. Yeah, that's just going to drag down the quality look of your team in these rankings. That's that's just how it is until we can find something better, which, damn, I just wish they'd ask me. I'd find something better for them, those lazy SOBs. Anyway, don't get me started, John. Don't get me started. <laughs> there has – I mean, over the past few years, right, there's been this screaming about 
the discrepancy between the cold weather teams and the warm weather teams and, and yeah. how the cold weather teams have to typically travel for the first month and a half of the season. Oh, yeah. uh, there hasn't been a lot of yelling about that lately or has there, and I'm not hearing it or paying yeah. attention. No, John, I think you're fine. I, I don't think it it's not as prevalent as it was before. Uh, just because you're seeing these teams do better. And, and again, I, I always like, okay, like here's, all right, here's one of, here's one of the things that always kind of pissed me off. Uh, Jim Delaney, the commissioner of the big 10 did a lot of good things for the big 10 apparently, but for baseball related, he was terrible. I hated that guy for what he did to the big 10. Um, and he complained and he cried a little bit about how the college world series should have one entry saved for a Northern team. And I was just like, oh, come on. The Big Ten doesn't need charity to get to the College World Series, you son of a bitch. So stop yelling about it. And now that we've seen Indiana make it, we've seen Michigan make it, we've seen teams come close. Actually, John, one of the teams I was most impressed with was 2018, Minnesota. That was was John Anderson's best team, I thought, that he'd ever had. And if they hadn't been matched up with Oregon State in the Super Regionals, I thought they could have made it to Omaha and – and done well there too. So, and so, yeah, we see teams now make it to Omaha. We see that they don't need to make excuses to uh, get into the postseason. It's not like the, it's still not like the ACC or SEC where you're going to have seven or eight teams from the big 10, but they've gotten five in before, I think four or five teams in at a time. So it's improving and it's, and it's, and yeah, you're not seeing it as often. And like I said, the RPI formula changed to award, I'm sorry, to reward teams that go on the road and win. They give you a little bit more of a bump when you win on the road, and I think that helped a lot. And I think it was a long time coming because basketball did it for years and baseball didn't for whatever reason, and now they do. And I think that's, I think that's a good thing, and it, helps the, it does help the Big Ten a little bit because, again, it's just like we talked about early on in this conversation, uh, John, about how the Big Ten um, – Nebraska wasn't going to go in there and dominate it. The Big Ten was a good baseball conference. It's just that they had bad weather and their facilities kind of stunk for the most part. But they had good baseball, and now we've seen that it's true. They've got good baseball year in, year out, and uh, improving. So, yeah, you don't hear as much about that belly aching about the uh, about you know the going on the road and having to play the first ninety days on the ro- or first not ninety first uh, month and a half on the road. So. That's that's kind of come with what the success has brought. How do you define success for the first year of Will Bolt? Oh, I could just first off make it to the Big Ten tournament, make it there. I, I'm not, I'm not one of these people that kind of expects teams. Yeah, you know, it's not like Frost stepping into Nebraska and, and people expecting him to to take them to the playoffs in the first year or something like that. I, I don't say it, look at it that way. I just think if he gets them to the, just stay respectable, stay consistent, get to the Big Ten tournament, you know, then you got a chance to play for a championship, and that's a good thing. I, I don't, uh, I don't look at he doesn't need to become a Houdini or a big magician this year. I think just kind of keep it consistent. Don't let it hit rock bottom or anything like that. Just win it, win thirty or so, and and uh, and I think and it'll it'll be fine with me. I'm not uh, I'm not going to be too picky about it. I'm not going to overanalyze it. <clears throat> Do you okay. have do you have like uh, your own expectations for Will yourself, or what were you what were you thinking? I I make the Big Ten tourney. Yeah, yeah, I think, I that, think it's I think I, that's good though. 
I from from the lousy, noisy people I see on social media and sometimes on our <laughs> website. I know yeah. that we're expected to make the NCAA tourney at the least every year, but yeah. I think that this year you should look at it and just say make the Big Ten tourney, have a good, successful season that allows you to build on something going forward. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, it's not a, to me it's not as much about wins and losses, just about setting a pro, you know, building a program. To me that's that's kind of, you know, building that foundation for the years years to come. But if they do get a, in the NCAA tournament, great. If they don't, they just make the Big Ten tournament. I, I'm fine with that too. I think that's uh, and as as long as you don't also see John, this is probably another thing I probably should mention. As long as you don't see or hear a lot about players like all of a sudden they hated at Nebraska. Now they came to Nebraska, had some good a good year or two, and now Will Bolt comes in and they all of a sudden they hate it and trans. You see a bunch of them transfer out. I don't want to see that too. But it sounds like he's got a team. I think that from what I saw in fall reports and what I've read. He sounds like he's got a team full of grinders, a team that really likes to work hard, and that's going to make a good relationship uh, for the for the full season and and building it for the years to come. So that's that's already a good start, and they haven't even played a game yet. So I like what I'm hearing already about Will Bolt and the program. I think he near he'll he needs to learn how to scowl. <laughs> I gotta see. Okay, I gotta see this guy in an interview then. Just yeah, if he's not scowling enough, maybe that's true. You and I are probably a little bit more old school. We're used to guys in in windbreakers yelling at us when we were kids playing football or something. I, that's fine with me. I know that doesn't always get a. That's not exactly working in this in today's uh, day and age. But yeah, if he needs to scowl more, I'm with you on that one, buddy. Well, I mean, Erstad Erstad had that look where he could look at you and and burn holes in your body. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I do. I think coaches need that, honestly. You know, you could even look over, you know, keep in mind I'm carrying a long lens, but you could look over to Erstad in the dugout and he would just, I don't know, he's burning the sideline. I, or not the sideline, but he's burning <laughs> the base, burning the umpire, yeah. you know, just with his eyeballs. Yeah. And I, I think that you really need that in a coach. And I yeah, have. I have I haven't been around Will Bolt at all. I haven't seen Will Bolt. I look forward to it. Uh, not sure when I'll get the chance this year, but uh, we'll see what yeah. happens. Well, I think you, you kind of there can be multiple ways of, of doing it and doing it effectively. And again, I keep going back to football because this is Nebraska, and that's that's what I grew up on was Nebraska football. But you you know you could do it the Tom Osborne way and be a little stoic about it or, you know, like Bud Grant with the Minnesota Vikings, be stoic about it, be, you know, very analytical and, and very intelligent about it. Or you can be a Barry Switzer where you're just a loose cannon and you're playing with your, your players treat you almost like you're another player. A lot of times that doesn't work, but he did, he made it work and those things work out too. But yeah, you're right. If, if being Nebraskans as we are, we're used to a guy that's, a little bit more stoic and a little bit more and, and has a little bit of a streak in him that like, you know, all right, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm burning holes through you by looking at you. So, you know, you, you know, you screwed up and you need to do the right thing. So yeah, that, that kind of seems to work for our culture, you know, as, as Nebraska fans. Okay. So how we're, we're going to wrap up here. How do people sure. get your coverage at D one baseball? Oh yeah. Well, D one baseball, D one baseball.com. 
is the greatest college baseball site in the history of college baseball. Of course, it was started by Kyle Peterson, a native son of Nebraska, too, by the way. Everybody knows who KP is. Um, and it is a subscription service uh, for the most part. Um, you can go to the site, and, and, of course, you need the scoreboard during the season. But D1Baseball.com is, uh, is the place to go. I think it's, we've got a good staff of writers and all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to sell us to your, your listeners necessarily. Um, I think they kinda, it kind of sells itself. But it's a fun place to keep up during the season and, uh, and, and keep informed, and especially as we get down to May and June. So, yeah, go to D1Baseball.com. You'll see my stuff there. I got an article coming out tomorrow, preseason, like kind of a little bit of my preview for the coming season, which is kind of a ton in, tongue-in-cheek type of a look uh, to, to college baseball. So, yeah, it's a fun site. I, I think it's, uh, it's well, worth, well worth the uh, drop of some change. Is there anything else I forgot to add that you would like to? <laughs> uh, well, it's kind of refreshing. I was glad – John, I love talking about Nebraska baseball, and I know we didn't get into Creighton baseball, but I'm an Omaha native, so I, I always like the Blue Jays, too. Uh, I'm one of those rare people that like both, so your listeners need to get over it. I love both Nebraska and Creighton, but it was just good to talk college baseball and talk specifically about Big Ten and Nebraska baseball with you, John. You're a good, you're a good, uh, you're a good source for it yourself. You people that are listening, stay listening all year long. John's got his stuff together. He knows he knows how to write about the, about good sports stuff. So, and it was kind of also good that we didn't have to touch about the about the national scene because that's usually what I'm talking about with people on radios and podcasts this time of year. But now, just good talking uh, Cornhusker baseball with you. And, and if you want to do it again, John? I won't charge you that much. I'll come on for you know, a relatively small charge, and we can do it again as the season goes on, man. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, I, I might uh, – let me know if you get up to Minnesota's uh, tournament. Yeah, yeah, that's the third week of the season, uh, ACC Big Ten Challenge played in Viking Stadium. Um, it's a tournament, actually, I've been to see games there twice before, and it's really cool. It's just cool that they fit a baseball field inside this football stadium in the dead of winter in Minnesota, which is, you know, last time I was there, it was like 20 degrees outside. 68 degrees inside. It was great, but that's a great tournament that Minnesota is holding. And they're going to have Duke, North Carolina and NC state coming in from the ACC. So it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, really great early tests for, for these uh, big 10 teams. Well, you brought up Creighton. I'll tell you a story. Uh, sure. A couple of years Bring ago, a couple of years ago, a, a young friend of mine was having a birthday and mm-hmm. you know, I, I knew her, her father is a good friend of mine he calls us and he says, meet us downtown. We're going to go to the Minnesota Creighton baseball game at U.S. Bank Stadium. We oh, met yeah. in this bar, yeah. met in this bar, had a few beers. And you go into U.S. Bank Stadium, and it's an enormous stadium. But yeah, yeah. since it's not full of people, with my loud mouth, I can be heard all over <laughs> that complete stadium. Yes, yes, you can. Yes, absolutely. So I walk in, and I, I walk in, and I'm right behind, like, home plate at the top of the stairs, and I scream, who hates Creighton? This guy. <laughs> the entire place looks at me, and my oh, family yeah. moves away from me completely. All right. And I turn around and there's this Creighton dude behind me and he, he looks at me and he goes, that was well done. And then we moved yeah. over to where my family was 
And later on, I, I can't remember what I yelled, but I yelled something about Creighton hitting the uh, monitor, which isn't, you know, like the monitor that everybody watches in the middle of the field. It's really high up. And I was yeah. so loud. I was so loud that the entire Creighton baseball team turned and looked at me. Jeez. And I uh, felt this tap you- on my shoulder. Uh-huh. And I Uh-oh. turned and I looked up and it was an event guy. And he looks down at me and he goes, I would like to just point out to you that Creighton is our guests today. Yeah, that's right. And I looked at him and I said, hey, man, this is college baseball heckling. I wasn't profane. I wasn't, you know, abusive. <laughs> I wasn't insulting. And he goes, I just want you to know that Creighton is our guest today. And his point was pretty clear. So I was, yeah. I was stifled for the rest of the game. That place is cavernous. Yeah, the, for the baseball configuration, there's hardly any fans in the stands for those games. But it's, that's what's also kind of cool about it too, though. But yeah, you can hear, it's caver- you can hear everything in that stadium uh, during a baseball game, uh, especially a college game that's not going to be real real well attended. So yeah, I'm surprised you made it out of the parking lot in one piece there, John. It was fun. I'll go. I'll, I need to get back there this season. <laughs> exactly. You make it to the if college I, world don't, series too, if, don't you? What's that? You make it to the college world series uh, every so often, don't you? I didn't last year because uh, in my real life as an IT consultant, I had a customer uh, move their entire company Mm -hmm. and I had to be around for that, that weekend or that main weekend. Uh, I hope to make it down there again this season though. So if I don't see you at uh, Minnesota, I'll hopefully see you in Omaha. Actually, no, I know where I've seen you before is at the big 10 tournament in Omaha. I've seen you there before for that, right? Okay. That's what I'm saying. That'll be be back there in Omaha this year. Are you going to, are you going yeah, maybe. I, I wouldn't mind. I got to go to Omaha earlier in that month to talk to the Jaybackers club. They wanted, they invited me to talk to them about baseball. I was like, all right, I'll do it. So I might have to double dip and have a second weekend uh, to go see the Big Ten tournament. I'd like to get back to the Big Ten tournament this year. Uh, just again, it's because the Big Ten's gotten so much better, and it's good to see. Um, it's good to see baseball at, at TD Ameritrade that matters going into the NCAA tournament. So I'll let you know if I do, though. Okay. All right. If, we're you're gonna not up, if, you're, if you're not beaten up by a bunch of Creighton fans by that time, I'll make sure and right. say hello to you. <laughs> All right. We're going to wrap it up. This has been John's Post-Life Crisis. Thank you for listening, and thank you to Eric Sorensen for joining us. Uh, go yeah. Big Red and uh, beat Creighton. Yeah. There you go. Thanks for sharing the airwaves, John. Appreciate it, man. <laughs>